episode 391. How to be a professional speaker with Tom Singer. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tows and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon as a coach and implementer. I'm here for you. I've got your back. Get to the podcast. It's important to really remember that you create your own arena, your environment, not just your physical environment, but just as importantly, your mental environment. This episode is sponsored by The Arena, the men's only membership community that really will enhance all and everything you're doing. Dig deeper into the effective model, philosophy and strategies. Ultimately, it's that mindset and philosophy to fulfillment and the art of living. That's mental toughness and strength going forward as a man. Stepping into the arena was what it's all about. This is going to be 10x the value. And for the founding members, please do go and check this out. This is a huge opportunity to get in at the ground floor. That's ayalpha.com forward slash arena. Get to the podcast. Right. Welcome this week. We've got Tom Singer on the line. Tom believes that all opportunities come from people. As a keynote speaker, he combines robust mix of actionable content with high energy delivery style. He's the author of 11 books on the power of business relationships, networking, presentation skills, legal marketing, entrepreneurship. It could go on and on. He's the host of the popular Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. I've uh, been aware of Tom for a while and I had the opportunity and honor of sitting next to him at a recent mastermind to do with podcasting. I'm very happy he's on the show. Tom, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I, I am ready. Thanks for having me. No worries. So I just spoke before the interview. Um, I see you as a, you know, a very experienced speaker MC who does podcasting as well. And a, a lot of people I know maybe are podcasters predominantly, and then they are trying to work on their speaking game and they dabble in it. So it's going to be really interesting today. But I mean, is there anything you'd like to add or highlight to that bio? Because I know it could go on. No, you know, it's uh, the bio doesn't talk about the fact that, you know, I've been married 28 years. I have two uh, almost adult daughters. I have a 17-year-old and a 22-year-old. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just trying to learn how to, uh, how, to, how to like myself and have fun along the way. Can you tell us a brief bit about your origins? Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? So I grew up in the suburbs of Los Angeles, California. Uh, I went to college in San Diego. And then for some reason, I left San Diego. I've never figured out what was going on. I, I, I think it was the fact that it was my college town and I had to get out. Yeah, uh, to grow up. I, I, moved, I, moved, I moved to the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years later, uh, I got offered a job in Austin, Texas in 1991. And my uh, girlfriend I'd been dating for about four or five months also got offered a job in Austin, totally different companies, totally different. I said, let's do this. And she said, are you asking me to marry you? And I said, no, I'm asking you to move to Texas for like three years. And uh, we did. We uh, got engaged soon after getting to Texas. We got married. Uh, we've lived here 28 years. And uh, so Austin, Texas, I've lived in, lived in Austin, Texas longer than I've lived anywhere else. Yeah. And uh, you've been a professional speaker for about 11 years. Talk, well, actually, I'm going to reverse it a little bit. Was there kind of like an awakening moment where you, you know, you transitioned and you felt like I'm going to go for this or, and there could have been several in your life, but you know, is anything spring to mind when I ask that question? 
So there's a couple of pieces to that. One is I was a sales and marketing person and I was successful in sales. I transitioned over to marketing. I had a really successful career for about six years uh, as a marketing director for a law firm, a bank and a consulting firm. Uh, and then when you're in sales and marketing, you tend to, to go to a lot of conferences and I would either as a sponsor and you've got a booth or as just an attendee and I would watch these keynote speakers and I can remember sitting in the audience thinking, wow, she or he, they have a better job than I do. <laughs> and so I would talk to them. How do you get to do what you do? And some of them were famous and, you know, they, they were, you know, a celebrity of some sort who became a speaker. But a lot of them were people who just had a message and were, were talented in doing that. And I kept thinking, God, I, I would rather do that than what I'm doing. And so I was pretty involved with the Toastmasters Club. Uh, and in 2002, I mean, long before I did this, I ended up placing in the top 18 people in the world in the international Toastmasters competition. Wow. And people ask me, how did you, what, where do you come up with 18 in the world? People kind of roll their eyes. Well, <laughs> there's a mathematical way to this. There were nine finalists who went to the finals, right? Yes. Yeah. Somebody won that. But each one of those finalists, they did, they competed in a semifinal, like the fifth round. They, the Toastmasters, it starts at your club and you go to area and you go to division, et cetera. And you work up to the regionals. I was the runner up at the regional contest. So I was number two to one of the nine people. So I look at that, that I was the top 18 in the world. And the guy who beat me and went to the finals, he won the whole thing. So really, I could, number, I could have been number two. Who knows? Yeah. But, I like the 18 thing because a lot of times people say, oh, top 10 or top 100. But the 18 is very specific. So I just issue, oh, there must be a reason behind there, that. There, there was a reason. So around that time, I started thinking, wow, you know, I, I obviously have at least a little bit of a skill to be able to do this. So I spent the next seven years while I was working uh, in marketing, I spent the next seven years, I wrote a book and I took every speaking opportunity at every Rotary Club that I could and I just fine tuned the skill. And then in 2009, uh, during the bottom of the recession, April yeah. 1st, 2009, I got laid off in a mass layoff at a company I was wow. at. Yeah. And there were no marketing jobs in the services industry. All, all of my friends were getting laid off. And so I came home and said, I'm going to become a professional speaker. And I just, you know, I just went out and did it starting that day. Wow. So in that moment, obviously it's, it's the situation we've put on you, but you've been prepping. Was that, was there elements of relief or were you, you excited or were you just in pure, you know, uh, dread mode and just back up against the wall kind of scenario? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, all, all of the, yeah. all of the above, right? I mean, it, it, and I think I've never stopped. I, I think I've been excited. I've been scared. I've been driven. I've been uh, whimpering in a corner, curled up in a ball. You know, I, I think that being an entrepreneur brings you all of that. And so, you know, when I think of the title of your show, you know, Awaken Your Alpha, the reality is, is that, you know, even when you're being an alpha, sometimes you pull the covers over your head and, and, and whimper like a baby. Yeah. And I always say it, it's something, it's like, for me, it's like a personal reminder every day. You've got to do it every day. You can't just, yeah, say, oh, I did it last week. I woke up my alpha and then just like. <laughs> well, but it's easy, it's easy to get distracted, right? I mean, over the past, it's now been 10 and a half, almost 11 years. Over that time, I've had really good years that have been like the highest earning I've ever had. And I've had some years that have kicked me in the teeth. And mm. you'd think, oh, this was totally linear. It just got better all the time. Well, it did for the first several years. And then I've had a couple of hiccups along the way. And you think, oh, no, you know, the world is shifting. But, but the reality is, is that the world is shifting. Yeah. And I have to shift my topic. I have to shift my ability. I have to get better on stage. Everybody now, when I first started in this business, if I went onto LinkedIn and looked for people who were speakers in like the area I live in Austin, the people who showed up 
were all people I knew were actively out there pursuing speaking. Yeah. Now everyone puts it on their LinkedIn profile. They call themselves yeah. a conference speaker, you know, a content speaker, whatever. And I talked to a friend of mine and I said, I didn't know you spoke. And he goes, well, I did once. And I'm like, why is it like front and center on your bio? And he goes, oh, my company hired this PR person. And they made it, all of us put it in our bio because it makes wow. us smarter because we say we're a speaker. So I always ask people, you know, how many times did you deliver a speech where you were invited? You don't even have to be paid. Yeah. You were in, not inside your company where you planned it, where an exterior person invited you in the last year. And I'm amazed at how many people say two, you know, this year I will give 60 presentations. Um, you know, now some of those are at the same conference. I can do a keynote and two breakouts. That's three different presentations. But, you know, I'll give over 60 presentations this year to individual audiences where someone else has invited me to put me on that stage. And so I, I really strive every year to make sure I have that level of, of capacity because uh, it helps me get better speaking, but yeah. begets speaking and it, and it raises my skills. It's interesting. The point you, you really touched on something there, because like you said, everyone has that. A lot of people have that speaker attached to their bio. And so that's why I had to sort of clarify. It's like, you are a speaker, you know, who does some podcasts on the side and there's, there is a big difference. And it's kind of like people see speaker on your bio sometimes when they meet you, and then when they took, they might probably go, Oh, you are a speaker kind of thing. You are a professional. Well, let me tell you a funny story. I was at the, this conference where you and I met. I was at the first one and I was sitting there and I was talking to another podcaster and he said, so how do you make your living? And I said, I'm a professional speaker. And he goes, no, no, but I mean, he goes, you know, you live in a nice house. He goes, you have kids. <laughs> how, how do you pay the mortgage? Where, where does the money come from for that? And I said, I'm a professional speaker. <laughs> and he goes, no, but he goes, he goes, I'm talking about like, you know, how do you feed your family? How do you, how do you make your income? And I said it again, and I looked, and I looked at him, and, and I said, I give a speech, the and they give me a check. And he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, well, that model is dead. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, my, I, my, my answer was, for God's sake, don't tell my clients. Yeah. Um, and, and his take was, is that no, he, he literally believed, because he had gone to some other podcasters conference, and they said, look, nobody gets paid to speak. You speak, and you sell a course, or you speak, and you mm. sell coaching. And that is a, that's a total model yeah. speaking. Yeah. It just doesn't happen to be where I live. I live in the I corporate and association market. They don't want me to sell anything. My, my clients, I mean, I have things I could sell, but my clients prefer that I just give up and give a speech where people go, wow, that was, you know, that was my, that was my experience for the morning. Yeah. This is my Yoda question. Who helped awaken your speaking alpha? Just to give it into a little bit more context. I'm sure there's many people. Um, whether from a distance, as in someone you aspire to in the speaking world, or just someone said the right thing at the right time for you? Uh, so I, that we could do a whole podcast on the list of people who inspired me. But if I had to pick one, it would be Harvey McKay. And Harvey was, uh, and still is, an active speaker in the business. But what I liked about Harvey was he wasn't famous and became a speaker. He became famous through being a speaker and an author. Yeah. And I saw him speak several times back in the 90s. He was probably the most prolific professional speaker in the business circuit. And I saw him at three or four conferences and I wrote him a letter one day, you know, kind of, I was kind of stuck in my career and I wrote him a letter and he wrote me back. This is pre-internet. This is early nineties. Yeah. Wow. And then he came to Austin to speak about the time I was maybe in the early two thousands when I was looking to, to maybe be a speaker. And I, I wrote him and he said he needed a driver that day to get him around to a couple of appointments. So I got to have him in my car. I got to take him to lunch and he really spelled out for me how someone could go about building a career as a professional speaker, 
who wasn't like famous for something out, out there in the outside. And he spelled it. I remember being in my car and he spelled it out for me. And I just spent the next several years kind of, you know, putting the pieces together. Well, I'd be silly if I didn't ask now, what are some of the key pieces either that you've sort of distilled yourself now or that he sort of shared with you that kind of like really connected with you? Well, one of the things that, you know, I remember, and I don't remember if this was him directly, but one of the things people told me was, is that you, you have to be good. And the problem is, is that most people who call themselves a speaker or who have given a few speeches think they're very good. And, oh, I know where this came from. This came from a guy named Jim Pensero. And Jim is a sales expert. He's been a speaker for over three decades. And Jim became a mentor to me when I first joined the National Speakers Association. I, I met Jim at, a, at the bar at the hotel. And to this day, he's someone I call whenever you know, I'm up against the wall because number one, he's a sales expert. And number two, he's just a good man who's been a great mentor to me. And he, Jim said to me early, I mean, I, I don't think I was a professional yet. I think I had just joined um, and was still dreaming about it. I don't think I'd gone full time. Jim said to me, you know, what do you want someone to say to you when you come off stage? And I said, I want them to say that was great. That was moving. Best speaker of the conference. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, no, you don't. And I'm like, yeah, I have an ego. Yet, Yes, I do. And, and he said, no, you don't, because there's no way to know if you're good if they say you're good. And I'm like, I don't understand. And he gave me a great example. So play along with me on this, Adam. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you're at a conference and the speaker, she or he, they're, they're just okay. Yeah. When they say, in conclusion, you're thinking, that's about right. Now, you're at the cocktail party afterwards and you go to grab a piece of shrimp. And the other person next to you goes to grab a piece of shrimp. And you know, that's always funny. You make eye contact and you laugh because you tried to grab the same shrimp tail and you look at each other and it's the speaker and you look around and nobody else is anywhere near you. What do you say to her or him? Good speech. Absolutely. <laughs> Great like speech. Good. I really that's, liked your speech. That's exactly. And then you get out. <laughs> every time is great speech because we live in a polite society. You're not going to look her in the eye and say, oh my God, you were highly mediocre. That speech, you know, you really need some work. You're not going to do that because we live in a polite society. So you would look at her as everyone does and says, great speech. And so Jim said, you, you, can't go, you can't go off of people telling you your speech was good because we live in a polite society. And I told this story one time and a woman said to me, well, I am brutally honest. I would never say great speech unless it was great. And I said, what would you say? And she goes, I would look at them and I'd find that little part and I'd say, I loved that part of your speech about your sister. And I said, great. You know what that speaker hears? Great speech. Yep. <laughs> so, so everybody thinks that they're really good. And so I asked Jim, I said, well, what, what is it that, then that I want? He goes, you want them to say a derivative of what else can you do for me? And I said, I don't understand. And he said, if they come up and they say, do you have a book I can buy? Uh, do you have a podcast I can listen to? Well, of course, he didn't say that yeah. you know, 12 years ago. <laughs> but uh, do, do you do coaching? Um, do you, uh, would that speech work for a group of lawyers? Cause I work for a law firm. Can you morph that speech to do this? Or even if they say, can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain? And there's so many people in the podcasting and the speaking world who are like, I hate that expression. I want to pick your brain. <laughs> I listen to these people all the time and I want to smack them. They're like, I hate these people who come up and they want free consulting. They say, I want to buy you coffee and pick your brain. It's like, they, they think this is some huge insult. And actually what Jim taught me is that's a huge compliment. It means great speech or great podcast or yeah you've done something that they want to continue the conversation or you know right and develop so the relationship yeah yeah and so jim said if they say something that you can easily translate to what else can you do for me then you know you did a good job and he said if you're not hearing that 
you're not a good speaker. And it was like, wow. And, and I, what I learned from that is that speaking, doing a great job on stage leads to spinoff business. And if I look at my business and I do okay, I mean, I'm not rich. I'm not one of these people making a half million or a million dollars a year in speaking, but you know, I, the family still eats and we have a great life. And I'll tell you, 90% of my speeches come from people who saw me speak or heard me on my podcast and said, hmm, we should look at him for our company's conference. And so when people call and try to book me, I say, where'd you hear about me? They say, oh, um, you know, our finance person saw you at a conference three years ago. That is great speech. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> so one of the, the topics you, you kind of your keynote you speak about now, and I'd be interested, like you say, it's morphed over the years, the paradox of potential. Can you tell us a little bit about that concept and how you come up with it? Because I obviously it had me hooked at the name and I, I love it. It's all like the Awaken Your Alpha. It really fits well. So tell us a little bit about that. So this is uh, content that I've been doing for about a little over the last two years. Uh, most of my career, I did a talk called Connecting with People in a Gadget Crazy World. And it was mm -hmm. all about why people matter in a world where we're looking for likes, links, shares, and follows. But that topic, which you could translate it to, it's a networking kind of mm -hmm. topic. That topic was really popular when I started during the recession because everybody was laid off, hungry for clients. So the idea of how do we really connect with people mattered. Three years ago when the recession sort of was officially over, it took forever for it to officially really kind of twinkle out and people forget about it. But about three years ago, because we've been booming in our economy for the last three or three and a half years, all of a sudden, while people still care about relationships, it's not something that's driving meeting planners because it's not one of the hungriest topics that people are, are saying is like, oh my gosh, my competitor's getting all the business because they know everybody. What do I do? Now, people are looking at different topics. And so I couldn't sustain my business with that topic, although it's still a large portion of it. I needed something else. So I started a research project to find out where people were coming up short. I looked at my own career, my own life, a lot of my friends. And what kept bubbling up was this idea that, you know, gosh, I hired Becky and she had so much potential. And a year later, I had to transfer her out of the company. And so I started realizing that we get excited about potential, but it's a paradox because potential does not equal results. Yeah. So I've interviewed 600 plus people uh, in a survey that I've done. I've sat down with about 40 of those people one-on-one -on -one to go deeper. And I've interviewed hundreds of people on my podcast about how come some people get farther across the gap between potential and performance and other people get stuck in the middle? And so this whole talk is for individuals and teams about how do we actually get focused on turning that potential into performance? And it's the best work I've ever done. I'm having more fun. I'm having real impact. A CEO told me this year that I hit a reset button in his most difficult employee and just changed the way the person looked at the work they were doing. And so I, I love that type of stuff. Yeah, no, that's absolutely awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, crossing the gap as well. It's just it's brilliant. It's interesting to hear how you come up with it as well and sort of what the market needs and adapting with that as well. Okay, cool. So if someone, and it can either be a complete beginner or someone who's maybe in a sales and marketing job and they, they're, they're listening to this and they're thinking like, I feel like Tom, like 10, 12, 15 years ago, I don't want to wait till I get laid off or maybe the layoffs come in or or even someone who's got it kind of listed as an ad on their bio that they're a speaker, what would you suggest they should do to actually start closing that gap to become a professional one, not just list in their bio or uh, someone who aspires to be a speaker? Well, so the first thing is, is, is you've got to really tone those skills. If you haven't given 300 professional speeches, and by professional, I'd, let me rephrase that. I don't mean professional like you were paid, mm -hmm. but if you haven't given 300 speeches, again, 
where you're invited to be the featured speaker. This, it's a big difference between your boss saying, hey, Adam, stand up and give us that report. And hey, Adam, we're inviting all of our clients in. We want you to do a 20-minute talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for all the clients about you know, XYZ topic. So if you haven't done 300, this comes from a woman named Roxanne Emmerich, and she is a legend in the speaking business. She has a training company that is you know, worth millions and millions of dollars. She has really built a career that everybody can look at and go, wow, Roxanne Emmerich, she's all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> when I first started, and again, this is like 12 years ago, she was on the cover of Speaker Magazine. Now, that is just proof that there is a magazine for everybody. <laughs> But one of the things that was in that speech or in that article was she said that if you haven't given 300 speeches, you're never going to be great. Somewhere, it's kind of like the 10,000 hour rule, right? Somewhere around 300 speeches that you've given to legit audiences, you will cross a threshold. And mm. I read that and I'd given like 60, you know, I was like, wow, I'll never get to 300. And something, she was right. I don't know if it was exactly the day I gave number 300. Obviously, it wasn't. But somewhere around that bar, I started to be able to handle anything that happened. And about that time, I had I was given a big speech to like 600 realtors, and the power went out in the hotel. Now, the room had windows, so we weren't in the dark. But PowerPoint disappeared. Amplification disappeared. Nobody knew what to do. I just said, okay, let's keep going. I ran to the middle of the room. And I just talked really loud. Maybe it wasn't 600, maybe it was 300 people, yeah. but it was enough. People could still hear me. And I completed the speech. And right as I was about to wrap up, the, the lights came up and the power came back on. My <laughs> microphone popped back on. I jumped back up on stage and I just stood there for like two beats. And I looked at the audience and I said, you know, a great speaker illuminates their audience. And the whole room, the whole room busted up. And afterwards, people were like, do you have a line? for everything that happens. Like if someone drops a tray or whatever. And I said, no. And they go, they go, that was too funny. That was just perfect. And I said, I couldn't have done that 300 speeches ago. But yeah. because I have this many, I've got my chops. I, I kind of trust myself now on stage. So you learn the basics and then you throw it away and let your personality come out and just go. Um, and now uh, that I'm you know, pushing in on a thousand speeches, it's an entirely different level as well. Mm. You, you could call me today and say, we have a speech downtown at the convention center. There's 4,000 people and the speaker missed his plane. And I could be there in 15 minutes without a PowerPoint and get up and give an hour keynote. Same. Couldn't have yeah. done that 900 speeches ago. So it's a learned. So my answer to your question is get out there and speak. Stephen King said one time, if you want to be a writer, sit down and write. Don't worry if it's good. Don't worry if it sells. Writers write. I take that and I say, speakers speak. Get out there and speak for free at every Rotary Club, Young Men's Business League, Young Women's Alliance, every organization that you can and get out there and tell your story. Because if you haven't done it 300 times, you're not world class. I completely relate to when you're talking about speaking in 300 times and plus and going through that and getting dropped in it. Because I, in the teaching world, I taught for 10 years and, and I always see when things go really wrong like that, it's an opportunity to show how good you are at what it is you're doing. And, you know, like, the fact that all your lights went down and that happened, that potentially more memorable speech for the people who are there. And you obviously got your chance to show you know, what you can really do on top of if it's all going smoothly, which is, uh, yeah, very interesting. Okay. Oh, what is your take? Because I know you're heavily involved with the sort of National Speakers Association and organizing, like you mentioned, Toastmasters. So someone who's, who's had nothing to do with that side of it, and they're, they're maybe they're going out, they're being active, they're doing talks. What is your thoughts around that? Because I know you're involved with that. When I spoke to you around the fire and, and you were like 
you mark people's speeches and you're involved in that. So I'm interested to hear your side from coming into it and then being involved with it. So those two organizations, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for Toastmasters, it wasn't for the National Speakers Association, but, but they're different. Mm. Toastmasters teaches you the basics of how to give a speech. They have a basic manual and advanced manuals and you learn things like vocal variety. You learn things about how to pause. You learn about uh, things like how to use your hands. You learn how to tell a story. And throughout like the, the advice that actually came from Harvey McKay back 20 some odd years ago that he gave in one of his books was join a Toastmasters club and participate every week for a year and you'll have a better career. It wasn't about becoming a speaker. It was about being able to just be able to think on your feet and be, have confidence when your boss does call on you and say, Adam, why don't you stand up in this meeting right now and tell us about the project you're working on? And I did that and I got good at it and it helped me in my sales and marketing job. So Toastmasters taught me the rules. Then I threw all the rules out and I just let my personality and the way I talk. Uh, recently, I had a friend from college in an audience. I spoke to a group of uh, mortgage brokers and I haven't kept in touch with this guy. He was in my fraternity, but I, we weren't like buddies. And he ends up, his company brings me in to talk to 900 salespeople and he doesn't know I'm going to be there. I don't know he's going to be there. And afterwards, he shows me his phone and he was texting all of our mutual friends going, oh my God, Tom is our keynote speaker at my sales meeting. And one of our friends said, is he any good? And this guy, Gary, responded back, he is good, and he's just the same guy you would sit and have a beer with. And I said, that's the best compliment I've ever gotten. That My style on the stage was the same way I'd be in the bar if, we were, if I was telling a story. So, um, so that's kind of a, of, a, of a piece of that is, is Toastmasters teaches you the yeah. rules. When I got involved with the National Speakers Association, two other things happened. They taught me the business of being a professional speaker. Because it's not one thing. From the outside looking in, we see Tony Robbins. We see Harvey McKay. We see whoever. Yeah. That's not the way it is for you or me because we're not those people. We're not famous. They grew up in the business 30, 40 years ago. It was a different game. You can't copy that. So National Speakers Association has conferences that you, know, you can go to all kinds of things that teaches you how to do marketing, how to do business, how to do social media. So you can learn the businessy pieces of being a professional speaker. But more importantly is I met some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. I mean, if you ask me who the 10 best friends in my life were, five or six of them have come about in the last decade from people who I've met through this organization. And what happens is when you get around people who are doing the business, you really learn the business. Because again, from the outside, the yeah. speaking business looks like one thing. From the inside, there's 10 different paths you can take as a speaker. Those people who speak at conferences where they're selling coaching, that's a legit way of, they make a lot of money. Yeah. It's not the world I live in. It's a different business. We both say, oh, I'm a speaker. Well, but we, we make our money very different, drastically differently. So getting around and making friends and having peers and a support group and a mastermind group uh, with people inside the National Speakers Association, I don't know how a non-famous person who's coming up, who didn't get famous and drop in, I don't know how you do it alone. So yeah. for me, the National Speakers Association was the number one thing. If somebody wants to be a speaker and they're not willing to invest two, three years of joining, paying, because it costs money, attending and making friends with people in that, I, I don't know if you're committed to the industry because that's the only that's way point. I yep. could do it. But there's other ways to do it. You don't have to do it my way. That was the mm -hmm. way I did. Really like where you touched on you're the same guy on the stage as off the stage because there's always been that disconnect. If I see someone speak and then it's just like a morph, they get off stage and then they just change completely. And so I've always really liked the speakers. Maybe you're talking to them before 
and then they're like, oh, and then they go on, do their thing. And it is like the same person you were just speaking to vice versa. And so when there is a big change, it's like, is there something there? Are they not, you know, confident or what are they hiding to not be themselves on stage? Obviously, you know, it's, it, it's, it's always been something that I really, uh, really t uh, appreciate what you said there. Okay. So we're going to start to wrap this up with the alpha round. I like to start that off with, easy. <laughs> I like to start that off with, is there a particular quote that really is either a favorite quote or one that really sums up your approach to how you like to live your life? Is there anything that jumps to mind? Yeah, the first thing that came to mind, I'll just go with it. It's a quote that actually comes from my dad. And uh, he passed away about six years ago at the age of 99. He had a pretty good run. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. older when I was born. My dad was 52 years old. I remember I you telling me about you and your brothers. And yeah, having the, <laughs> were, you were the were, my, my brothers were all teenagers, just 10, 10 to 14 when I was born. So I was like, a surprise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but my, uh, my dad always said, uh, be slow to anger and fast to forgive. And he said that in his wise life of like, I, I don't even remember my dad until he's 60, right? I mean, I don't have memories much before seven or eight <laughs> years old. I mean, I do have some, but, but like the, the wisdom of conversations with my dad, he's over 60 by the time he starts telling me these things. And he said that in his whole life, people who were fast to get angry and hold grudges were the ones who, you know, had the worst life. And the people who were like, yeah, you know, fast, uh, you know, slow to anger and fast, be slow to anger and fast to forgive uh, is the best quote. Awesome. Is there a particular resource in your professional life that you use um, that you think is a good recommendation, either in, if it's not slightly different, maybe in the way you use it, and I know you talked about the Speakers Association things, but is there something you do in, in your, either your scheduling or just in running your speaker business? You know, I, I again, I'm going to go back to, to the National Speakers Association. I think all opportunity, because you said it and you triggered that in my mind, <laughs> all opportunities come from people. So the greatest resource that I have is people. So it's the, my peers in the National Speakers Association. It's former clients. It's these uh, podcast guests that I have. It's people like you who I get to meet. Uh, all opportunities in life are going to come from people. And so we have to get away from this like, link, share, and follow mentality and get back to the human side. And so one of the things I do is, is I try to refer the crap out of people. I, you know, I, every time I step off the stage, I know two things are true that client is going to have a meeting next year and they don't want the same keynote speaker. So I always try to tell people, let me help you vet speakers. And they don't always take me up on it. Yeah. But because I do that a lot, a lot of other speakers refer business to me. Ah, and perfectly timed. You're talking of referring. Who do you recommend would be a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha podcast from your network? Oh, wow. I mean, the, you've got hundreds to pull, pull from, but just like, almost like that phrase, Awaken Your Alpha and, and a name pops in or a person pops in. You know, the first person who pops in is Phil Jones. Okay. And Phil is a sales speaker. Uh, I think his website is Phil M. Jones because everybody's named Phil Jones. Uh, <laughs> you might like him because he's British. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but, but he, he, he wrote a book called Exactly What to Say that is a runaway sales bestseller. And the guy's a total alpha. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to him. Cool. And in sum up, is there... Oh, what's the best way to connect with you if someone wants to continue the conversation? Got to get that being. <laughs> uh, you can find me on all the social medias, Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. My website is Tom Singer, T-H-O-M, Singer.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to find me. There, there's, there's email, contact, phone, everything's there. Uh, and then, like I said, all the social medias. Cool. And what's the one question you thought I would have asked in this interview and you feel like I've missed a trick? I haven't done it. 
I don't know. I think you got everything, man. I, I can't think of anything. Nailed it. <laughs> you, you, you're, you, you are truly, your, your alpha is wide awake. <laughs> we're talking about that 300. We're on, we're on episode like 370 something. So See, there we go. I was probably... crossed the line. You've now done 300 episodes. Of course, you're, you're world class. <laughs> Need to do some more speaking. Yeah, be happy to say I don't put professional speaker on mine yet. I got speaker and author. <laughs> right. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for taking the time. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This podcast is brought to you by the Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to Talk accelerator.com that's talk x c e l e r a t o r.com you can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have what is your idea worth sharing i'd love to hear about it and i'd love to speak with you very soon